You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com We are talking about other texts that Aldous Huxley wrote, one of those key formative figures preparing the way for the mass initiation that would occur in the 1960s and up until today, bringing us into the phase of the final revolution that Aldous and his brother Julian wrote about. Julian has a book about the final revolution. Aldous writes about the final revolution in many, many places. Of course, we know Brave New World, the dystopian novel that we covered two weeks ago in the fourth hour, deals with the mass drugging of the population and their being initiated into a kind of weird uh, new world religion of sex, magic, drugs, and orgies. That's in the novel. And we're already kind of on the cusp of that now. All of the weird inversions that you see and everything going crazy in society, it's not primarily something that's just an organic revolution or counterculture revolution. All the counterculture stuff, especially of the 20th century and today, is largely manufactured, created, and steered by social engineers, particularly the premier engine of which is the Tavistock Institute, the Tavistock Clinic. is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile, by José Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco, Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness, Despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers, he stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader, Get Leon DeGrell in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com.
You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I am your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jason Analysis. And I've been doing a lot of uh, reading lately into Huxley's works. You know, we just covered uh, last uh, fourth hour that I hosted a couple weeks ago, Brave New World. I read another one of Huxley's books this week. uh, This week I read uh, The Doors of Perception. And this is a fascinating text because it's one of the early texts that really popularized far before the 1960s counterculture revolution, the idea of experimentation with hallucinogens, not just for breakthrough experiences in terms of consciousness and creativity, but for breakthrough experiences in a religious way. And so the Doors of Perception, as you may know, that would be the basis for the rock band The Doors, Jim Morrison's The Doors, to title their band. And also, if you didn't know, Jim Morrison and The Doors They come out of a scene called the Laurel Canyon scene. The Laurel Canyon scene was, in my view, a heavily influenced and co-opted scene. In other words, it it, uh, had a lot of deep state military intelligence background to it. And in my view, it's one of the key elements that we can look to to see that the counterculture is something engineered and co-opted. And we're going to be looking at that today because... When Huxley wrote The Doors of Perception, he wrote this in 1954. So this is, you know, several years before the 1960s and even the Laurel Canyon scene, far before that in terms of the Haight-Ashbury district, when we typically think of the beginning of the 1960s counterculture. culture. By the way, if you didn't know, Jim Morrison's dad was Admiral Morrison, who was involved in the Gulf of Tonkin accident, which was a false flag, one of the most famous false flags, and that was his dad. There's some weird things about Jim Morrison. Did you know that he went through a uh, a blood drinking witchcraft initiation when he was uh, dating a witch at one point? That's actually in the Oliver Stone film with Val Kilmer. <clears throat> Great film. And they actually include that scene if you've never seen it. <clears throat> I recommend you go and watch it. But the, the Doors of Perception deals with a trip that he took to Hollywood. And uh, I didn't actually know because I had not yet read this book. It's famous. I'd heard of it, but I'd never gotten through it until recently. And he talks about that he took this trip to Hollywood in the 1950s for an American Psychiatric Association meeting. And while he was at that uh, at the hotel and and hanging out in, uh, in the Hollywood area, he decided to try mescaline. And so he recorded the experience and wrote down a lot of his ideas as a result of this. And this becomes the book, The Doors of Perception. It also comes from a William Blake uh, title about cleansing the doors of perception, which deals with the artist's perception of true reality and true being and inspiration and creativity. Now, if you don't know, of course, William Blake was very influenced by hermeticism and alchemy, and he includes a lot of that in his uh, in his paintings and in his poetry. And so that's where Huxley is pulling from. But the reason this is so important is not because of wannabe shamans out there and uh, brujos and people that want to go to Peru and I want to go be a shaman in Peru, man, and go on a vision quest. That's not the point. The point is that this would become part of MKUltra. This was a key element, a key time period when MKUltra was just kicking off. And as you know, MKUltra comes out of the Tavistock 
and British versions of shell shock experimentation and mind control. Now, on my channel, if you go to YouTube, I just lectured through the first half of Dr. John Coleman's very rare, very hard to get Tavistock book. In the past, we've covered uh, Daniel Estelin's Tavistock book. This is a different Tavistock book. This is one of the first written on Tavistock uh, in the uh, year 2005. And at that time, that was right before, I think, uh, Dr. John Coleman passed away, the purported uh, MI5, MI6 whistleblower who uh, went into the details of how British intelligence was really behind the 60s counterculture and a lot of this stuff. We're going to find a lot of overlap, and he, he speaks uh, heavily of the Fabian Socialists. And I'm going to uh, make that tie-in and get into some of that work. But a key figure in this uh, this architecture from Tavistock and the Esalen Institute is the figure of Huxley. And Huxley is crucial for the popularization and the mass initiation through the counterculture drug culture of LSD and all the other hallucinogens. So we're going to get to that in a moment. Don't go anywhere. This is The Alex Jones Show, and I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. Support InfoWars in the store right now. What would your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, and phytonutrients so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and body extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. 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 ResolutionRDO.com. Welcome back to the Oxygen Show. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. And we are talking about other texts that Aldous Huxley wrote, one of those key formative figures preparing the way for the mass initiation that would occur in the 1960s and up until today, bringing us into the phase of the final revolution that Aldous and his brother Julian wrote about. Julian has a book about the final revolution. Aldous writes about the final revolution in many, many places. Of course, we know Brave New World, the dystopian novel that we covered two weeks ago in the fourth hour, deals with the mass drugging of the population and their being initiated into a kind of weird uh, new world religion of sex, magic, drugs, and orgies. That's in the novel. And we're already kind of on the cusp of that now. All of the weird inversions that you see and everything going crazy in society, it's not primarily something that's just an organic revolution or counterculture revolution. All the counterculture stuff, especially of the 20th century and today, is largely manufactured, created, and steered by social engineers, particularly the premier engine of which is the Tavistock Institute, the Tavistock Clinic. Where does this come from? Well, you've heard of Edward Bernays' classic book, Propaganda. And uh, on my channel, of course, as you know, we lecture through 
dozens of these global elite techs, and we've done it for years now, six going on six, seven years. We've, we've been through probably 60 now, maybe 70 white papers, key techs of the elite. And we did Bernays' uh, propaganda many years ago. And if you recall, there's a curious statement on the very first page. Do you remember what it is? The famous quote. He says, we are governed. Our minds are molded. Our tastes are formed. All of our ideas are suggested largely by men that we have never heard of. But it is the logical result of the way in which this democratic society, it's a fraud, democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this if they're to live together. Our invisible governors are unaware, we are unaware of the identity and this leadership. He says that they control through social engineering. It is a conscious manipulation, he says, by intelligent individuals to control this democratic society. They constitute an invisible government, and that is the true ruling power of this country. He's talking about America, Edward Bernays, father of modern propaganda, advertising, all that relative of Sigmund Freud. <clears throat> Do you know what institution he's talking about? He's talking about the Tavistock Institute. Why is that so important? Where does that come from? Who, who cooked this up? Well, guess what? It's cooked up by all the same Fabian socialists that I've lectured on for the last six months, a year. The Lord Milner, the Lord uh, Rothschild, the Cecil Rhodes Circles, they came up with the Tavistock Clinic, the Tavistock Institute. And where, what's, the, what's the history of this? Well, <clears throat> around the time of World War I, there was an institution founded by British intelligence at that time known as Wellington House. And Wellington House was uh, creative in its propaganda, right, right before World War I. They were really part of getting the U.S. involved in World War I. And one of the ways they did was that they came up with a weaponized term called isolationist. If you remember, this was used when Ron Paul was running back in the, in the day. Oh, Ron Paul's an isolationist. He doesn't want us involved in foreign entanglements. That's the classical American decentralized approach of states' rights, right? That's the classic American approach. Decentralization, we don't want a giant federal government that tells us we have to be involved in every European foreign conflict. Now, the World War I and World War II events themselves were the means by which this secret inner core that Bernays is talking about out of Tavistock run by British intelligence. That was the means by which they got the United States into global policing and the vehicle for global governance. And that's what Dr. Carol Quigley writes about in his gigantic tome, Tragedy and Hope. But the means that they, that they used to achieve this were the perfecting of the scientific technique of social engineering, social control, and public opinion making. One of the early Tavistock luminaries was Walter Lippmann, who wrote the famous book in, I think, 1920, Public Opinion. Just like this book, Propaganda. And so they perfected the technique at Wellington House of coming up with weaponized terms that were then used by the Woodrow Wilson administration because he was an, he was an agent of these people. He had an, a handler called Colonel Edwin Mandel House. And that's how the Federal Reserve and all of that got pushed and set up. That's how there was the 14 freedoms and the idea that America would now be an engine for these people, Tavistock and the Fabians and the Royal Society. 
They wrote at this time the idea that America could be a manifest, that there should be a manifesto of justice. And this was something that Woodrow Wilson put forward. You can almost see the beginnings of social justice warriors here with Woodrow Wilson, maybe. And they came up with the idea of demonizing the Kaiser for World War I and why we needed to be involved in World War I. And they called him the butcher. Guess what? They used the exact same propaganda for Saddam, the butcher of Baghdad. Same propaganda. Putin is Hitler, even though Russia fought Nazis. Putin is Hitler. Okay. So Wellington House, this intelligence wartime warfare apparatus around World War I that influences Woodrow Wilson and, and the American structure, it evolves into the Tavistock Clinic, the Tavistock Institute for Social Engineering. And it evolved out of the 1936 text by Oswald Spangler. Now, I'm not saying Spangler was involved in this. But the British intelligentsia, Red Spangler, the famous theorist of history who theorized that history and, and, and its, its uh, empires have civilizational cycles. Civilizations have a birth, uh, a, an, uh, uh, an ascent, an apogee, and then a decline and a collapse. And then it gives way to a new form, a new civilization. And you can never repeat the old civilizations. There's always a new form. And so Spangler's decline of the West, which was his theory about how, as a result of the past patterns of history, Western civilization would collapse and decline. They read that, these Wellington House strategists like Arnold Toynbee and others, and they said, hey, what? we could actually weaponize that. Let's take the track of uh, how Spangler describes the decline and let's weaponize it and turn it into an actual way to accelerate the decline and collapse of Western civilization. Because, as we've said, the Tavistock social engineers and the Fabian socialists behind all this already had in place that at that time, back then, the technocratic government, government that they wanted to bring in, the global technocracy. In fact, Lord Halford Mackinder, the famous British theorist of heartland theory, rimland theory, which we've lectured on many times, Lord Halford McKinder said, we must have global governance now at all costs, no matter what. Even if it was required a socialist dictatorship, we will have it, no matter what. And he wrote about that and theorized and strategized that in the 1920s and 30s, way, way early on, together with Toynbee and H.G. Wells and all the same characters you always hear me talk about. Because all of these people wrote books and it's all public. But another thing they wanted to do was study how to master perception, perception management, perception control. Don Draper, Mad Men, same stuff, because the same people behind that show, or what that show's about, the Mad Men, the admin, that's talking about these people, Lipman, Bernays, these people. How do we make public opinion? Well, one way they figured out how to make it and to master it was through wartime operations, wartime psychological operations, not just against the enemy, but how to get the people in the homeland, your people, the West, on board with all of the wars and the entanglements. Simplest way to do it, create a villain. Saddam's the butcher of Baghdad, Osama bin Laden, right within a few minutes of the, the World Trade Center towers, Osama bin Laden. We must invade Afghanistan. Right, nothing, stuff that had nothing to do with 
it becomes the pretext for everything else, all of the uh, global imperium and the loss of liberties, et cetera, et cetera. That's all mastered at Tavistock and Rand Corporation. A lot of the Tavistock people also worked at the Rand Corporation. Cross-pollination. Dr. Kurt Lewin spent time in MIT, spent time doing stuff at Rand, one of the famous Tavistock guys. This is The Alex Jones Show. Don't go anywhere. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer of Jay's Analysis. And go to the InfoWars store and get those products now. Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, the American Freedom Party, dot US. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com. Just weeks ago, I warned the world that the globalists were going to move against Tucker Carlson and take him off the air. People said, no way, he's the most popular that ever happened. They've got quadrillions in stolen money. They only had Tucker Carlson on the air because they believe they could control him. But as soon as they figured out they couldn't, he was taken off the air. It's the same thing with InfoWars. But InfoWars is not owned by Fox or controlled by George Soros or owned by Spotify like Joe Rogan. We are only beholden to our viewers and our listeners. And when you support us, we're unstoppable. I'm not underwritten by Rupert Murdoch or by George Soros. I'm underwritten by you, which is we the people. So I want to thank you for your support and encourage viewers and listeners to understand, please don't take InfoWars for granted. We're barely hanging on. We need your word of mouth, your prayer, and your financial support while getting great products at the same time at InfoWarsStore.com. So don't procrastinate. Go to InfoWarsStore.com, get amazing products that keep us on the air, and never submit to these tyrants. Welcome back to the Alex Jones Show. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer. Jason Alice's. We're talking about the seminal text of the 1960s counterculture from 1954 from Tavistock and British intelligence operative, in my view, Aldous Huxley, The Doors of Perception, and how Huxley was crucial in kicking off the drug revolution and the drug experimentation of the 1960s. In fact, uh, there's a lot of references throughout this book to all kinds of things that you wouldn't necessarily expect. He, he not only references all kinds of religious traditions and a kind of a syncretous blending of all the religions, he says that mescaline might be the key by which and perhaps future iterations of uh, you know these entheogens, turning them into things like LSD, right? They might be the key by which humans as a whole could achieve initiation. And he never really says exactly what into what. He just talks about initiation into the pure vision, into the vision of the light, into 
Perhaps he means something Luciferian. In fact, at one point he mentions Luciferianism in this novel. He also mentions adrenochrome in the verse, first uh, three or four pages, by the way. But he talks about uh, the, the perceiver who in, is initiated uh, through, in this case, the mescaline or any other kind of hallucinogen like this. He says that uh, these things without pretensions are satisfied by, to be merely themselves. They are sufficient in their suchness. He uses these really generic, uh, deep-sounding terms instead of being or existence. He'll say the suchness. Not acting as a part to go it alone in isolation, in, def in Luciferian defiance of the grace of God. He says that individuality is Luciferian, and, and we see the wholeness. Everything becomes one. Monism, pantheism. And in fact, at one point, he even says that when you do these drugs, you see your own potentiality to be omniscient. So this kind of delusion that he has divine powers and divine insight, he can uh, potentially know and see all things, which is literally what he says, leads him uh, towards the end of the book to say that if you think about the religious religious mystics of, of the of the past and their experiences, and we look at things like the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which is something that his uh, other intelligence cohort Tim Leary was a big fan of, we'll talk about that in a second. He says that there is a pure vision of light that one sees in these books and in these drugs and that pure light which we're reminded of course that lucifer can appear as an angel of light he says that pure light that can be seen is something that perhaps the state should even mandate people go through he said i'm not joking he says maybe we ought to even have state mandated drug trips well that sounds a lot like what's in brave new world so again you thought he was exposing though he's, he's exposing the brave new world uh, dystopia. He's a hero of freedom. No, he says that we should have mandated drug trips that uh, are, spe he says, are for those that we call the angels. I don't know. He, he, he says Blake's angels. Blake's angels. I think he means the artistic and creative and genius elites of society should undergo mandatory drug trips. And by the way, he quotes H.G. Wells countless times throughout the novel. In fact, the, the doors in the wall is a phrase he uses from H.G. Wells, consummate globalist, socialist, Fabian, et cetera. He says, maybe we should even mandate this. And he says that when we look at the religious landscape of America, he says that the traditional religions are dead and they're boring and they're, and they're uh, you know, calcified and then they're stultified and all this kind of stuff, which, okay, that might be true, but he says the answer to this is to have a new religion, something like Native American religion, Something like we see Mickey and Mallory doing in Natural Born Killers. I'm not joking, he actually says that. He says we have to have a new kind of world religion where we all just trip trip balls. We're tripping balls, man. That's the new world religion. Now, where did he come up with this? Is he just an organic, random thinker? Some cool, hip guy? No, he was hanging out and partying with none other than the beast, Alistair Crowley. Yes, according to Dr. Richard Spence, Crowley and uh, Huxley partied together, did drugs together, hung out, because both were serving British intelligence. Of course, Crowley was an uh, agent of MI5, kind of a provocateur. And this is not unique to Huxley. Huxley is just one of the first to talk about this. Uh, if we move on and we look at books like The Psychedelic Experience, Timothy Leary says that this could be a guide, right, to 
initiate the masses or to initiate people into understanding and seeing the pure light. But it's not, of course, anything to do with God, Western civilization's idea of the Bible, and it's, it's nothing like that. This is the new, unknown, secret, hidden God of the esotericists and of the occultists. And that's explicitly what Huck, uh, Leary says in that book. Now, where does all of this come from, this idea of utilizing uh, drug trips and whatnot? Well, guess what? That's what the British Empire was so good at. There's a famous book on this. Have you heard of it? It's called Dope Inc. It's about how Britain, prior to the 20th century, ran a giant worldwide opium operation. And it was, guess what? It wasn't just making money. Drugs as means of control, drugs as social control. So when uh, uh, Alistair Crowley was doing his occult drug trip experiences, and he wrote a book called The Drug Diaries, and then Huxley read these books, and then they read each other's books, Huxley and his social engineer crews realized that these are great means for social control. So even if you don't believe in the demonic or demons or spirits or any of that, drugs are a key tool for social control according to the social engineers themselves. And so that is why they saw such a power in the promotion of the sexual revolution and the drug revolution in the 1960s and why all of these people promoted it years, decades before it happened. Did you know that in the 1920s and 30s, there was a mini sexual revolution? Not just in the U.S., not just in America during the uh, decadence of the period that you know F. Scott Fitzgerald writes about in *Great Gatsby*, and we read about it in, uh, or if you've seen the the modern uh, German TV series *Babylon Berlin* by Tom Teichwer, right? That's taking place during the degeneracy of the pre-Weimar, the Weimar Republic, the the Berlin era, right before World War II, and then we had this, uh, you know stock market crash and all that, which was engineered by the elite, by the way. Well, that that was a period of intense Skittles stuff, T-R-A-N-S stuff, the trans stuff was going on. All of that was going on in the 1920s and 30s, and these people at Tavistock studied it. They studied the It Girl, Clara Bow, Joan Crawford, Louise Brooks, how that could steer the youth and the culture. They want to be like the it girl who cut her hair, bobbed it, was wild, slept around, all that kind of stuff. They knew in the 20s and 30s that this could all be weaponized as culture creation. And all of these books talk about it. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's admin and social engineers and, and psychiatrists and psychologists. In fact, Huxley was going to the American Psychiatric Association meeting when he went and was tripping masculine in Hollywood and partying. And I'm not trying to be a Puritan as if like, oh, every drug is bad and I'm a good person because I don't drink alcohol. I'm not being a teetotaler. That's not the point here. The point is that all this stuff is studied for social control. I'm sure there are real medical applications of everything that exists. Everything that exists, God gave us. But it's also weaponizable, and that's what we're talking about today on The Alex Jones Show. Don't go anywhere. The Occidental Quarterly fills a unique niche in bringing together scholarly articles on a wide range of topics that are mired in political correctness elsewhere. It is edited by Professor Kevin McDonald, who's no stranger to listeners of the political cesspool. 
There are quite a few reasons for the precarious state of our civilization and our people. But one of the main ones is that we have lost the intellectual and moral high ground to a cultural elite that is hostile to our people and our culture. Those of us who are politically aware must understand that the elites dominating culture and the political process in the West are intellectually and morally bankrupt. TOQ is the key. Digital download subscriptions are only $30 a year. Subscriptions by first-class mail are only $60 a year. Go to toqonline.com and click on subscribe now. In addition to receiving fascinating and informative articles, you will also be supporting the work of scholars who are part of a community defending our people and our culture with the highest level of integrity and intellectual sophistication. That's toqonline.com. Subscribe now. You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Ooh, the last Turbo Force. guys don't even know you can get the canister now. Get the all-new Turbo Force Plus at InfoWarsStore.com. Now it's shareable. To the Alex Jones. I'm your guest host, Jay Dyer. Jay'sAnalysis.com. You can also follow me on uh, Twitter and all the other social media outlets under Jay Dyer. I would ask that you do that. Uh, of course, we don't get a lot of algorithmic promotion uh, on. Maybe we do. We do well on Twitter. Uh, but if you go over to YouTube and you find my channel, uh, go ahead and support and uh, share that stuff, like that stuff, because of course the algorithm doesn't promote the stuff that we talk about typically because it's pretty, pretty edgy. Now. I want to remind you, too, that uh, I've got two live events coming up. So if you want to come see me live June 3rd and 4th, Owen Schroyer will be there with us as well in Nashville. Big live event. We got, uh, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 people at a giant two-day event. You can go to my website, jaysanalysis.com, and you can see the two events there. You get tickets to that live event June 3rd and 4th in Nashville. Also, I'll be live in Hollywood if you want to come out and uh, see me at the uh, Van Nuys area, the I guess that's Burbank-ish area. Uh, that will be July 6th in uh, LA. We'll be doing a five-hour presentation, big live event. Go get your tickets also on the website. All that stuff's also, just scroll down my Twitter feed. You'll see it all there too if you're looking for it. Uh, but I'm gonna be doing a deeper dive into a lot of this Huxley stuff on my YouTube channel as well. So if you wanna go follow me there, you can. Uh, we'll be doing that later today. But we're talking about the doors of perception. We're talking about how Huxley was beginning to see at this time the potentiality for using drugs uh, and, and, and using the older model of British imperial control, the opium model, the opium war, for a new way to revolutionize society. And it wasn't just about the individual going on a vision quest and uh, you know figuring out his uh, 
inner demons and, you know, his own little journey or whatever. No, no, this is a way to control and steer society. And he talks about it that way. And every one of the psychonauts after him talks about it that way, like Terrence McKenna. Oh, Terrence McKenna and the food of the gods, he says. We should go back to a Mother Earth Gaia religion. Right. And it should be based around the mushroom. And so what's amazing is that technocracy has for a hundred years, if you read books like Patrick Wood's Technocracy Rising, has seen the power of drugs. And that's in, for controlling society. That's exactly what is in Brave New World. You understand when he wrote that, he knew that the fake world religion would be combined with drugs to control society. And he didn't get that from him himself. In fact, before him, in 1917, an old rare book, look at this old rare book from H.G. Wells, God the Invisible King. Not talking about the God that you think of, not Jesus, not the Trinity, not any of that. What God is he talking about? The hidden God that you can only see when the doors of perception are open, when your doors of perception are cleansed via counter initiation then you see the true god is lucifer that's what hg wells said he says i i'm not an atheist i follow god it's just a god called lucifer the light bringer the light bearer the pure light that he talks about seeing in this book and the pure light that tim leary says you will see in the tibetan book of the dead because the tibetan book of the dead he says, is the same journey, the same vision quest that the individual sees when they do the drug trip, when you do the LSD trip, the mescaline trip. It's just like the after-death journey. And that's why throughout this book, Huxley says, it's like opening up the multiverse, dude. Now, wait a minute. Are, you, are we supposed to believe in science? Or are we back to religious superstition and metaphysics and the multiverse, man? Because the multiverse is like Marvel comic book type stuff. Doesn't seem very scientific, seems very superstitious. Quantum foam, man. But you see, that's why it's a new religion. Because scientism combines very well. Scientism is a kind of a religion. It combines very well with this new age spirituality that these guys were promoting even in the 1890s with the Fabian Socialists and Madame Blavatsky, again, working at the behest of the British Empire. And so they were studying the drug trips, the drug journey, the vision quest, all this stuff was being studied. And in the U.S., who did Huxley go work very closely with? The Esalen Institute, the U.S.-based brains behind the 1960s counterculture spiritual revolution and spiritual movement and the New Age movement, which would then be kicked off as the counterculture sexual revolution, drugs revolution, which could we could never be where we are today with the biological revolutions that you can identify as whatever you want without Tavistock. So who's in the background all the way back to World War One and the Fabian Socialists back then? Who's in the background of not the war itself, but managing the public perception? Tavistock. Tavistock is there at World War One. It's there at World War II. World War II. It's there in the Cold War, it's there throughout the 60s countercultural revolution. And what was Tavistock so heavily pushing in the last five years? 
the trans agenda openly. In fact, they were being sued, I don't know what the result was, by a thousand families in the UK for transitioning and pushing this on kids. That's the, I, that's the ideological source of the trans agenda. The corporations are pushing it because corporations get their studies and their R&D from Tavistock and Rand Corporation and MIT. The same place puts out the ideology and the studies and the research for how to change identity. Guess who came up with the plan of changing identity, changing images of man? Tavistock, Dr. Kurt Lewin, changing identity is a Tavistock creation. Now I know that that existed in the in the past that people have there have been people born uh, you know with both parts, you know, there've been I, I know I know all that. But it was never in history scientifically engineered and weaponized as it has been by design by the same institutes and the same people that I'm talking about. John Rawlings Rees is another crucial British intelligence character who would go on to work at Tavistock to push all kinds of ideas like this. All of these Fabian socialists, all of these Royal Society elites, they're pushing the exact same thing and they have been. And Rees came up with some fascinating things one of these was this idea of how do we change America back into this kind of mm, attache of an inner core of British intelligence elite? It's not going to be done overnight. We're not going to be able to do it right away. We can't install a dictator. He says we got to have, we're going to use this Fabian model of slow kill. But he said, it's a new term. I'm going to, I'm going to key. It's called long range penetration. Long range penetration. And what that means is that you utilize the society's ideology itself and you gradually change it through future shocks. That's a Tavistock idea. So when Alvin Toffler was writing about that and talking about that in the 70s, he was getting that from Tavistock. What are future shocks? Future shocks are changes that are so disruptive to society, so quick, so many of them, so extreme that the public goes into a kind of panic. The term they use is maladaptive response, passive maladaption, panic, fragmentation, and dissociation. So the way that they would study the trauma-based mind control on an individual, put the, put the individual into a panic crisis mode, he fragments on an individual level, his relationships, his psyche, and then he dissociates into fantasy, fantasy worlds. That can be done on a macro scale for the whole society. Crisis response model, they call it. Contrived crises are steered in the direction that was the original intended goal the whole time. Strategy of tension. Exactly what Brzezinski said about Gladio. Exactly what Kissinger and those guys engineered Gladio operations to do. Strategy of tension, cause the chaos, steer the society to the end goal that was always the plan. Manage crises. Do you think the last three years was not a Tavistock managed crises? Of course it was. Admittedly, the British, the, the Canadian government admits they use psyops to trick you and scare you into this. This is the Alex Jones show. Don't go anywhere. Listen, do you hear that sound? 
It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, the American Freedom Party, US. You're listening to Resolution Radio. ResolutionRDO.com In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com. Welcome back to the show. So we're talking about the planned mass initiation ritual, initiating the masses into a new religion via not individual drug drips per se, but via the control and dominance of Big Pharma. Big Pharma now has its octopus grip on top of the population in a similar way to the British Empire. So I'm not saying the British Empire is controlling everybody. No, no. The inner core elite groups that were running the British Empire, the steering committees, the Royal Society, Royal Institute for International Affairs, Fabian Socialists, et cetera, et cetera. That clique set up the model for putting Pratt House in New York based on Chatham House in the UK, the secret inner elite that run everything. That's the model comes out of the Republic of Plato. Comes out of Plato's later laws, the Council of Night, which is a secret intelligence apparatus of oligarchs that run the country with a bunch of front goobers as their public face of politicians that take the heat, the Bidens, the AOCs. Meanwhile, the deep state, the shadow state, the cryptocracy is who really runs things. And everybody's energy, everybody's focus, everybody's anger is always directed at the public goobers, who are meant to be goobers, 
but never, ever focusing on the Brzezinski's, the Kissinger's, the Jacques Attali's, the Dr. Kurt Lewins, the John Rawling Rees of Tavistock. As propaganda itself said, Bernays' book said, 99% of you don't even know these people. That's who's really calling the shots. The real ballers and shot callers are not AOC and Biden. These people call the shots because they utilize long-range penetration to set up organizations and using the quadrillions of fiat money that they printed to buy up everything. It's an amazing scam, an amazing trick. And Tavistock said the best way to condition the public is to put our guys at Esalen, National Institute of Health, MIT, et cetera, et cetera, and get them to steer by being intelligentsia, by being in control, <clears throat> get them to initiate people, get them to indoctrinate people. For example, at the National Training Laboratory that was set up on the Avril Harriman property, this National Training Laboratory would set up an invisible army, an invisible college, an invisible army, what Bernays said, who would be the true rulers and controllers of society. So the generals, the CEOs, the government officials, they're sent and trained at places like the National Training Laboratories. What are they trained in? They're trained in the techniques of Dr. Kurt Lewins, not just the three-system response that we talked about, the three-system response model, but they're trained in behavioral psychology, public manipulation. Keynesian economics, Fabianism, a couple of other characters, Margaret Mead and Gregory Bateson, key operatives of this power structure of Tavistock. And some of the things that they pushed would also be pushed by Huxley and others, which is the idea of indigenous traditions are magically more spiritual and superior to everything else, right? If you're rolling around in mud and feces, that's way more spiritual, right? Obviously a guru rolling around in feces is way more spiritual than building giant cathedrals. Totally, obviously. The archaic revival, the shamanic traditions, all of that being pushed is not done organically. There are individuals who organically get into it, sure. But it is pushed from by the scene, behind the scenes by these people, Tavistock, Rand, Esalen, and dozens, hundreds of other think tanks, foundations, and NGOs that push all of these things. The Ford Foundation, the Soros Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Carnegie Endowment, Brookings Institute, the CFR, on and on and on and on and on. That's the real power structure, and it's in all of your faces. It's not Joe Biden. Is anybody going to wake up to this? Everybody's talking about this or that conservative talk person who's divorced, none of that matters. This is what's really going on. These are the people that really run you. And because you talk about divorces and nonsense, that's why these people think they have the right to rule you.
You don't know who these people are. You don't know who Kurt Lewin is. You don't know what Tavistock is. Now, this audience knows, but I'm saying in general, speaking to a more general sense. You don't know what they're teaching at the Wharton Business School, whether they're teaching Fabian Keynesian economics. Do you? Do you know about that? Do you know that John Maynard Keynes was a Fabian socialist? Do you know that Lord Gray was the architect of World War I through Wellington House, which was the predecessor to Tavistock? Do you know that Bertrand Russell supported the sexual revolution back in the 20s and 30s, the pre-sexual revolution I was telling you about, and that all these people studied it to weaponize it? Did you know about Dr. Emery's passive maladaption phases to controlling and steering society? Stanford Research Institute putting out Changing Images of Man written by these people. Stanford Research Institute is a Tavistock Institute in America. Not only did they push, they, it's all the rainbow skills stuff is, the, is these people, you understand? It's not an organic revolution of liberties and freedoms. It's steered, controlled, and engineered to control you, to control you through base desires, through your passions. And I mean, we're all, so, you know, I think we're, it's a fallen world, so we're all going to be subject to this to a degree. But the way to get out of it is not more liberalism, more, more, give us more liberalism, vote out the scoundrels, put in a new crop of scoundrels, vote in more scoundrels, and let's yell at them. Then we'll vote in some more scoundrels. That's what Quigley says. Quigley says the system was set up so that you would yell at one crop of scoundrels and vote out, vote in the new ones. It's a scam. I'm not saying that you can't be involved in politics. I'm just saying that all this stuff's created. The pop stars, they studied this in the 20s and 30s, how to create the it girl. Paris Hilton wasn't the first it girl. It goes back to the 20s and 30s, which at that time, by the way, there, there were no, uh, if you watch the Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie movie, Babylon, which I do recommend watching. It's actually a, a, a good portrayal of like what all of that pop culture, Hollywood culture is, go watch Babylon and you'll see its rise and its descent. And it, it takes place, by the way, during that period in 1910, 1920s, when there were no controls, like there were no Hayes code, there were no moral code or whatever. So it was pretty risque back then. That's that time period that I'm talking about that Tavistock was interested in studying for social control, social engineering, public opinion making. Polling. Uh, one thing that Dr. Coleman talked about that's not as relevant to us nowadays because of the internet, but used to be, uh, particularly in the World War II, the boomer era, uh, post World War II boomer era, that polling was a big deal. But they figured out how to just make fake polls and everybody would go along with it. So just say, oh, 80% of America supports this war. You don't want to be part of the 20% of mal uh, maladjusted, malicious. Uh, uh, individuals, do you? No, oh, I support it. Well, well, yes, whatever you say, I support it. You see. So they just made fake polls. And he says the, the polls are fake. They were always fake. Gallup polling comes out of this, Tavistock. And they're in, the polling is intended to engineer your perception. That's the whole purpose of it. It's nothing to do with gauging what people really thought. It was about getting you to go along with what they call groupthink. Guess who came up with groupthink? Tavistock.
Groupthink is a Tavistock idea, Tavistock term, terminology that they came out with in regard to how to steer people into accepting total collectivization and total unanimity with certain groups. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to have groups. That's not the point. But it's wrong to weaponize and steer people into destructive, stunting, intellectually stunting groups. But corporations love this because they love groupthink. And so it's actually corporations that would farm out and purchase a lot of this research from Tavistock. So understand it's a research and development clinic. It's just, a, it's just the premier psychological warfare operation. And it's been around for so long. And this is one great example of Tavistock operations. And if you're wondering how the country went in this direction, just look at the Rand Corporation and look at Tavistock because they're in the business of steering culture. So if you want to get my books, go to jaysanalysis.com, go to the shop, get these giant, excellent 600-page books that I wrote. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com. Ladies and gentlemen, America and humanity is in a war. The globalists are cutting off the resources. They're killing the free speech. They're surveilling us. They're annihilating our sovereignty, our borders. They're coming after our children, literally sterilizing them. We are in the heart of the battle now. I knew about their plan decades ago and warned you. But now we're living in a time that's easy to wake people up and fight because they're not in beta. They're not in test mode. They're in operational mode. Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, almost everybody else who are great people work for another company that can fire them or try to control them. InfoWars is the only major standalone operation fighting the globalists in the world. And we're reaching the critical juncture in the battle. Their central bank digital currencies are in trouble. That's the number one issue in the news with conservative voters, not just here, but around the world. Their program of dissolving borders is in trouble. Everything they're doing is hitting major obstacles right now. That's why it's more important than ever that InfoWars stay on the air. That's why it's more important than ever that you realize we're in zero hour. We're in game time. We're in overtime. We are in the 12th round of this boxing match. And that's why you've got to share the articles. You've got to share the videos. You've got to pray for the broadcast. You've got to buy the products. Keep us on air. But whatever you do, just continue to research and speak out yourself at county commissions and school boards and city councils and state legislatures and when a senator's coming or house members coming go ask them questions get on tv because it's really you they can't stop and you they can't track whatever you do realize this is the full battle i know there's thousands of shows and millions of movies and entertainment and tv shows and all this stuff and what's real this is real you notice what we cover and what we go over years ago is now everything happening because we're actually contending with the global rulers to try to block them and their plan for depopulation and total enslavement. We are here fighting. So please, today, go to InfoWarsStore.com. 
get Turbo Force, get Ultimate Krill Oil, get the other great products, get a Trump mugshot shirt, get an Alex Jones for President shirt, go there, get a signed copy or unsigned copy of The Great Reset, The War of the World, the seminal book that went to number one. But whatever you do, realize this is the fight, this is the tip of the spear, this is the war right now here on air. We are swinging for the fences, we're not surrendering, and culturally, all the numbers show we are winning. Congress has a 7% approval rating. Biden's got a 30% approval rating. Trudeau's got a 25% approval rating. They are dictators. They are unpopular. They are doing things that people don't like. And we've just got to stay here on air as the tip of the spear because the enemy believes they can take out the leaders and everybody else will scatter. But you are the leaders and you are the resistance. So spread the word. Pray for the broadcast. Go to InfoWarsStore.com right now. Get a great product. Make a donation. But whatever you do, take action. Don't roll over and die. It's that spirit of victory, that spirit of resistance God wants to see. And then God will do the rest. But you've got to make the first steps with your free will and ask God to lead, guide, and direct you in this fight. You want to keep this on air? You see Tucker getting taken off. You see uh, what's happening with Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. We are not controlled by board directors. We're not controlled by Rupert Murdoch. We're controlled by you. My boss in this fight is not Rupert Murdoch or not George Soros. It's you. And I'm asking you, boss, I'm fighting hard. Put me on the field, coach. I will keep kicking ass. I'm not like some player that ever played and was a loser. We've won Super Bowls against the enemy, but we need funds to do it now. InfoWarsStore.com or 888-253-3139.